Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined as always by Alan Kinney and Matt Burden. Matt, you're in Oklahoma City. You're in the area. You're where from where we're, we're where the you know the hub of information comes from. <laughs> How are things going from you, are man? How are things? You got your finger in the air. How's 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 the spring winds blowing up there? Uh, pretty good so far. Pretty good so far. Um, I heard that it's supposed to get cold this weekend. Is it? Have you heard the same down your way? I've, it's uh, supposed to be like thunderstorm for the next like three days. So oh, I'm assuming yes. temperature will drop. Yeah. Awesome. Love to see that right before the spring game. That's always good. Football uh, but weather. No, yeah, it's football weather. Absolutely. But yeah, no, man. Doing well. Doing well. Uh, I had to fill in the morning show today. So that was, uh, I've had a sleepy day. And, uh, Alan, I mean, how's the weather out there on the East Coast? I mean, how's that going over there? Beautiful day today, man. You know, 70 degrees and uh, sunny. Pollen is bad, but, you know, other than that, I, I uh, got to uh, do a little uh, smoking in the, in the backyard. And by that, I mean, I smoked some chicken, not... Uh... <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> it turned out delicious. So, no, I'm feeling good, man. Look at you getting this. I, the only thing I've got going on is this uh, a Blackstone. That's, that's all I've got. Uh, really helps me out. I, I can't. Is the smoking is the bar to entry into smoking high, or is it something uh, you can just kind of stumble through? Extraordinarily low, I'd say. You know, you can even get one of those electric joints that, like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it pretty much does everything for you. You know, if you don't, so long as you want to keep it pretty low and slow, yeah. But my uh, grand, yeah, yeah. My grandfather had an old, uh, like basically like an old propane tank he had cut in half and everything it was in, and made yeah. a smoker out of that that's the type of people i come from so <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the the fancy electric one's probably out of my ability uh, or pay range at this point in time uh but you guys did not uh tune in to listen to us talk about uh smoking takes even though you probably uh, i think it's the barbecue pit boys follow them on youtube fantastic <laughs> they give mm. you all the good stuff uh Let's talk about OU football and uh, the things we got going on. It is a game week, uh, as always, as uh, OU uh, football Twitter has been kind of preaching towards us. We have the spring game rolling through this weekend. Uh, Kyler Murray will be his statue will be unveiled. He will probably say some words in the microphone. I assume if he's not too busy, you know, with with uh, Call of Duty or anything of that nature, he should be there. Uh, Matt, what does he play? Is it Call of Duty that he plays? Do we know? I think so. I think, I think he plays Call of Duty. I think he's off the Fortnite train. He's on. He's fully on uh, Call of Duty. I, I would assume with the new um, 
a Counter Strike coming out soon. He'd he'd be on that uh, with Team Phase. But anyway, spring games coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about the spring game. What we think to be um, potentially working on, or what is we as fans should be able to to ingest from the spring game. Uh, Alan Kinney wrote a piece for Crimson and Cream Machine, which we'll talk a little bit about, basically saying. What should we think about? What are the key takeaways we should take away from the spring game? So I'll, I'll set it up for Alan, uh, give him the, the floor for a second. So Alan, the spring game's coming up, and what should OU fans look at when they watch this game? Oh, man. Well, you know, God, I hate I hate spring games, honestly. I mean, when I say that, I mean, I just – people are in such a rush always to take, uh, you know, big-time, uh, you know, takeaways from it or you know uh, kind of hard and fast conclusions and there's really not you know i mean i look at this more at least in terms of this piece i was thinking more about what what does ou really need to kind of find what what are the questions that need to get answered this spring you know um looking around them and so i think that we'll be able to see i guess maybe some indication of how they're getting answered uh you know this on saturday but you know for example like you know, the cheetah spot, that's a big one, obviously, you know, Deshaun White out, obviously this has been a staple, you know, Brent Vettel's defense really dating back to when he was a coordinator at OU. Um, There's, you know, initially it's kind of been an interesting story to follow because initially, you know, for example, uh, Jaron Kanick was the thought to be the guy who'd be the taking over there, but it sounds like he's playing an inside linebacker position. Um, Another name that's come up a bunch is Desam McCullough, the transfer from Indiana, Sounds like maybe OU's looking at him in more of a edge rusher spot. So, you know, who's who's going to be the guy to fill there? I mean, is it really going to be Justin Harrington? It seems like we've heard so much about him, you know. Um, but we'll we'll get a better idea because I, I it sounds like you know based on what we're hearing, they're going to go one on ones on ones, right? That does seem to be the case with the team white versus team red and the ridiculous scoring system. If you had a chance, <laughs> look at that. It's like, you know, the defense lines up correctly, five points. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's just complete madness. Uh, I, I do remember writing uh, on, on the Patreon, which anyone can subscribe to for $4 a month. It's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Uh, just about certain positions that needed to be taken care of in the spring or certain players that needed to perform well. And I had said McCullough, I mean, obviously, uh, needed to perform well, but I'd already kind of bookered him. I was like, well, he needs to be your your rush, your stand-up rush position. Uh, and then he kept getting play, and there's so much talk about him being a cheetah, and I was like, I don't know if he's that fluid. <laughs> that, that's, you know, yeah, to, that's to the do big that. question with him, right? It's it's how well he can change direction, all that, I mean, mm-hmm. as opposed to just getting, you know, get after that ass, you know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, kill the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but if you do play him at that cheetah position and you, you kind of change the, um, the systematic role of it, then it does kind of make sense why you'd want to have uh, Jaron Kanick inside to be able to give you more range and coverage from that middle linebacker or weak side linebacker position to maybe kind of cover up on the back end of that. It changes how that goes through i don't think i'm not terribly familiar of how brent has if from from your from your perspective looking at it have you seen brent like tweak with that cheetah role a lot have you kind of looked back at it like like actually historically at at ou then at clemson it seems like he's had a it's been more of a coverage type of role just for my you know quick pass of it have you seen him kind of put bigger people there i mean i know isaiah simmons was big but he could run uh there's a bit difference there yeah, I mean that's kind of 
Simmons would be the one that really stands out as as a you know kind of a uh, an outlier, but he was just you know such an you know kind of athletic specimen. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I need to look at Trenton Simpson's measurables to see how he stacks up. But I don't know. I mean, I think I I don't really think that we. I think maybe we might be a little too quick in, a lot of times to. Uh, kind of pigeonhole okay you need a guy that fits this athletic mold for one of those hybrid positions right because you can kind of tailor what you're doing around the personnel that you have there so you know if they feel more comfortable with harrington and you know as, a, as more of a coverage player that might dictate how they you know how they run the rest of the defense versus maybe you know uh you know i mean i think deshaun white was generally seen as uh more better better in run support you know yeah, Matt, I want to toss the Harrington question to you. Is I mean, his name is being said again. It's being brought up again about like, hey, one more time now. Uh, I mean, is there any – you as a fan, do you think there's anything you can think about for Harrington and think, you know what, maybe. I'll let you answer that while I deal with this dog chewing a bone really close to my <laughs> Um Yeah, if he feels kind of like a myth at this point, right? You, you hear a ton about uh, Justin Harrington and um, – you know, just haven't seen him. He's, yeah. he's like the the unicorn. You know, you've never seen him, but uh, you hear a ton about him. I don't know. I mean, and he was backing up Deshaun White last year, uh, but Deshaun White was so like. I mean, I thought Deshaun White was so like very solid last year. Yeah. I, I oh, didn't yeah. think that he was like he wasn't a world beater by any means, but he was not a liability at all. Like he was he was one of the most solid players on the defense. I thought most consistent anyway. So there's there was really no uh, nowhere else for Justin Harrington to play really. Um, so I think if I'm like remembering correctly, he, he's probably too big and not fast enough to be an actual like safety, like out and out safety. Right. I think well, he's probably yeah, more I mean, they, like, they played, they gave him a little bit of a look there. I mean, he, well, I think like he was kind of forced into action, like against TCU and it was, it was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, and you know, really after that, he didn't see much time. Right. So I, I think if, if he's at the cheetah where he doesn't have to like, you know, fully going to coverage all the time, you know, he could kind of be that, um, you know, kind of other linebacker ish type and, you know, do some of the, like, like, like the crossing routes, not, nothing like going downfield, but not where he has mm. to cover downfield. Uh, I think that'd be okay. But um, man, I, I just, I'd have to see it to believe it because we just, we haven't seen it. It's, it's, it's the myth right now. It's right, the myth of OU yeah. football right now. It's Justin Harrington. Yeah, Harrington does fit into it. If Brent is trying to say, hey, we're getting certain body types in these positions, uh, Harrington does fit that role. If if he's trying to shape this role to look more like McCullough than it did in the past, and like Sean White, you know, McCullough's like, what is he, 6'5", 220-something. Harrington's 6'3", almost 220. So it's like, it's a bigger position. It's a bigger type of human being he's putting in that spot. Can he move back and forth and stuff? I mean, that that's always the question for this. But... I think with OU needing to do something for the pass rush, my assumption is that this is going to be Desan uh, um, in that spot. He's going to be closer to the line of scrimmage. He's going to be kind of this little, just to kind of muddy up assignments for the offense. It's like figuring out what to do. Um, I have very few sports references I can always call back to, uh, but follow with me here. Early on in his career, the San Antonio Spurs used Kawhi Leonard as like this little in-between player who played kind of in between the free throw and the three-point line. Totally nowhere you 
you'd never want to put a basketball player there, <laughs> but they put him there because he's very athletic and could just like crash boards or run out stuff like that. I think OU probably will use that this type of position if they go this big, kind of like that, where it's just like your job is either hit this line really hard or get five yards deep. I, I don't see him chasing slot receivers mm-hmm. down the seam. It just it, it would be it would not be beneficial for a OU defense if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, and you know you mentioned. You mentioned the pass rush, and to me, that's another big question for OU this year. Is like they've got to do something to establish what I call the organic pass rush, right? What do you do when you don't have to manufacture pressure? Uh, when you don't have to come up with some exotic blitz to uh, put some heat on the quarterback? You know, how are you? How are you doing that? You know, and, and McCullough could be could definitely be a factor there, you know, and you, so you think about him in the role of the cheetah, for example, and what they might be able to do there. But at the same time, if you're relying on him to be, you know, a pass rusher from that spot, you're taking away a coverage player. Right. Um, So, you know, I don't know. I I guess I'm just more interested in seeing, this will be our first look at Rondell Bothroyd, who always struck me kind of as more of a, uh, not necessarily a pass rusher at that edge spot, but a, a solid like five tech uh, strong side defensive end. Um, you know, you've got guys who are coming back like Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes, but I mean, can, I'm not sure that they can even really feel that confident in their spots and rotation given the overall lack of productivity there. So, you know, what about the other guys? You know, I mean, obviously PJ Adabare is going to be uh, someone that everybody wants to get a look at. Our Mason Thomas is supposedly kind of, um, you know, you know, uh, starting to put it together. And then you also look at potential, you know, guys who have moved down inside like Jonah Lulu, who was a really strong, solid, you know, five tech last year, but might be able to do more from a disruptive standpoint, I think, playing inside at like three tech. Yeah, the thing I'm looking forward to is uh... – it's in the middle of that defensive line. Like that, that's to me what were the issue for OU's. I mean, obviously they weren't getting to the uh, organically, they weren't getting pressure on a quarterback as much as we'd like them to see, but the games they lost and you know, this could just be box score kind of looking at it, but hand in hand, those games fell in line before OU gave up 250 yards rushing. Uh, it's just, yeah. it, OU needs to be able to plug up the middle of that defensive line uh, and not just get pushed around. And, I don't know if they really truly answered that question this year. I mean, the Notre Dame uh, transfer, uh, Jacob, right? Yeah, Jacob Lacey. Yep, Lacey. Uh, and if, you know, we got the uh, uh, Jonah, if they move in, uh, obviously he's moving inside. That allows them to get some beef on that point in time. Uh, just to not get moved off the ball. Like that. that's the part in time I think could, that itself could potentially free up some some pass rush. Uh, you know, if all of a sudden defensive ends are getting more one-on-ones and things of that nature, mm-hmm. that can just inherently cause them to be a little bit better. I think earlier on in the season, Grimes and Downs kind of looked like productive defensive ends, especially the Nebraska game. But once OU started getting pushed around the middle, they were just completely negated on the edges. I mean, it just shouldn't even bother suiting up to a certain degree. Uh, but man, it, it, it's, it seems like it's going to be the Wake Forest kid and basically Trace Ford if he can just stay healthy. Like that is your quote unquote organic uh, upperclassman pass rush of that point in time. Unless PJ is what everyone seems to think he could be, uh, mm-hmm. then he's out there uh, early and often. Uh, that said, I mean, you never want to rely on a true freshman. Yeah. Especially, right. especially defensive end. That's, I mean, that's a big 
that, that's a you need some physical maturity <laughs> uh, to be out there and take on that stuff. Uh, Matt, what are what what's something that you're looking at for the spring game? Like, how do you ingest these spring games? And uh, what what's something that you want to see OU potentially answer? Wide receiver is a big question. I mean, obviously, I think. I think we all are kind of in agreement that the interior of the defensive line is probably the biggest question mark. Um, but receiver to me is like the, is the number two right behind it. So, um, because I mean, you, you hear a lot of good things about the guys that are, that are playing. You hear a lot of good things about Nick Anderson, you hear a lot of good things about Jaden Gibson. Um, but obviously didn't see any, either of them last year with Nick Anderson being hurt uh, a bunch. And then Jaden Gibson struggled a little bit. Um, especially in that, that TCU game, I think, was it TCU? They had that mm -hmm. drop pass and then he never yeah. really like saw the field again. So, you know, hearing good things about those guys, obviously I have, I really don't have any questions about uh, Jalil Farouk or uh, Drake Stoops. Like I, I, I don't, Drake Stoops is probably the most consistent uh, football player on the team. And, uh, and I, I like what, what I saw from Jalil Farouk uh, last year, but um yeah as wide receiver it's just a big question mark because it's a bunch of guys that like you know you hear look good in practice but you'd want to see them do well you know in the spring game or see if you have something I mean that being said last year is when we saw uh Jaden Gibson have that like 95 yard touchdown catch so, and then like he rarely he rarely played so uh, that, I think the thing I'm least looking forward to is all the overreactions um you know <laughs> from that, that always yes. come out of the spring game but uh, as far as what I'm looking forward to, like the question I want answered more is just like, what do some of these wide receivers look like? And like, is some of this offseason hype real? Yeah, following yeah. up on that, you know, that was one of my questions was, you know, who of these OU, we, we, we know for with a lot of these guys, what OU is getting, you mentioned Drake Stoops, um, Julio Farouk, obviously, but you know, you got these guys who are either newcomers or we're on the team last year, but really didn't get much run. Right. You know, I mean, and, and those are the guys I'm watching. Nick Anderson to me is the one I really want to see because he physically, he really could bring a different kind of element to this team at, into the passing game. But, you know, he's kind of an unknown just given all his, you know, uh, injury history. And, you know, I, I also, I, you know, somebody, my guess is Andrew Anthony is probably going to, have like a big catch in this game and you know there'll be the kind of thing where everybody starts going nuts like you mentioned Matt, with the overreactions but uh that's a guy that uh you know sounds like OU really wants to make him into a deep threat so you know i'm interested to see what he brings to the table also so the thing i always try to watch for spring games yes indiv individual performance is one thing like if you look at it from a player perspective the thing I'm going to watch and sadly have to rewatch, I will be on a hiking trip uh, at the Guadalupe Peak in West Texas, uh, nine hour drive <laughs> for me <laughs> just to get there at a nine hour hike. Uh, just formations. I want to see what the what OU lines up as base, uh, how they try to handle things, how they're potentially moving some stuff around. Obviously, you're not going to see anything exotic, but you know where they're putting certain people, like where are they it's you know straight forward going to move inside on third downs potentially stuff like that you can kind of start seeing little tweaks to things mm -hmm. uh now it's not always true you've got ones twos and threes kind of blended together sometimes and guys are playing on position um and also just like the i guess the only like personnel group i'm really looking forward to figuring out is just what the hell they do at tight end they've got like one person who can right. walk at this point in time uh and even his i mean how stronger is he can he withstand the blocking he was just 
you know, a big wide receiver. Uh, you know, does he have the ability to be more of a blocking presence, which that's what Levy uses these spots for, more of the inline blocking or just guy coming out of the backfield to kind of hat on hat. Uh, but I try to find how's how's grit and Kyle said Gritch, how's Britt using the cheetah position? You know, how how are they doing that type of stuff? Where are the safeties playing? Are we doing that more three look? Uh, and then my assumption is that we're going to see a decent amount of three down linemen. And I think there will be an overreaction to that <laughs> from a fan base who seems very, very, very burned on the idea of having three down. Uh, but I think that's probably where we are at this point in time for the OU spring game. Can, can, can we get a point of clarification here? Cause uh, there was some chatter about this recently that uh, and I was wondering about this because like when we say three down, okay. Are we talking about three guys with their hands in the dirt or are we talking about technique or are we talking about personnel? Right. Like, cause I mean, OU was playing, you, you know, three down. OU was playing basically a stand up edge on the weak side for a lot of the season. I think that that was part of what, uh, you know, teams were doing in a lot of cases to uh, get a, get an advantage on OU in the run game. But like, you know, OU wasn't really playing a three down against like Baylor, for example, which is one that everybody seems to complain about. Like they had, they had four defensive linemen out there. So, you know, I guess I, I still want to know what people are talking about here. And uh, that's probably off, off topic, but you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing uh, what it is that everybody found objectionable there. I think that is, I think people are seeing a stand up rush guy uh, and thinking, three down linemen at that point in time. I mean, we, we all said that, I mean, which is weird because, you know, the pass regime, that's what they did. And they were able to call it a four down or a bare front, you know, all that type of stuff. Uh, I, I think where I saw OU potentially falter was when they tried to do play like a, the uh, three down tight formation. They didn't have the size uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to play that effectively. Uh, that's where I kind of think it's good. You're installing that. It ain't helping you against this team right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I, okay. I got you. Okay. But yeah, I am. I'm interested to see kind of those personnel groupings, but I do, it does feel like they're getting closer maybe to uh, where they want to be personnel wise. They're just looking at some of the body types, um, you know, especially, you know, guys like Laulu moving inside. So that, yeah, that, but that is, that is going to be pretty interesting. Um, and you, know, you mentioned tight ends too. Came out today, Davis Bevel <laughs> practicing at tight end out there running routes. Uh, you know, I think that that was one thing that everybody uh, wondered about last year, given um, how he performed when, uh, you know, when he was called upon a quarterback. Uh, I mean, I think that that's more just about needing a body there at the moment. But, uh, you know, we had nobody's mentioned, uh, you know, the, the another big offseason story which is jackson arnold uh we'll get a first look at him uh running jeff levy's offense so that's uh obviously one guy to watch that goes into the uh, overreaction i was talking about earlier <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that one that one is firmly uh, at the top of the overreaction yeah so uh jackson arnold obviously is going to be the dude I, that's i was trying not to hammer on him because i knew he would be the one everyone would wants to see uh, i think I want to be honest with you. I don't think he's going to potentially perform all that well in the spring game because his game is 
such a combination of the QB run game that I think that he's going to have the ability yeah. to show the full complement of what he could do in a real game. Uh, that's going to look a little weird. That said, I think we'll be able to see arm. We'll be able to see where some throw placements are. Uh, and I want to transition this into this next talking point. Uh, we'll be able to see him potentially throw the ball downfield. Uh, unlike potentially another player, another uh, Ballyhood uh, quarterback uh, recruit down south in Austin, who, uh, man, if his name was Archie McC- uh oh, man, I can't remember their names. Uh, I had a good joke, but I, miss, I forgot the last name. If he was anybody else that's that, when you can't put the ball on just a simple out route, <laughs> And I get your, it's a first game, for, I mean, first spring game, there's a bunch of nerves, all that type of stuff. But if I'm going to overreact as a, as a Texas hater, I'm Texas hating, Texas hating all over Archie Man at this point in time. Matt, give me your text. Give me, give me the hate. Give me the good sports hate uh, from the Texas spring game. I mean, he just, I, I didn't, I didn't watch the Texas spring game. I want to make that very, I did not watch the whole thing. I did, however, spend four minutes watching all of Arch Manning's snaps, <laughs> just because mm. I was I was so interested in like just just what it what it kind of looked like, and it was just eh. I was like eh, yeah, he looked looks okay. It didn't look that great, um, but it it definitely it didn't have the look of the number one overall player ever or whatever the hell it was right. like the highest overall rated recruit ever. Um, it didn't have that look but again like i i just said that i hate when people overreact in spring games i'm not going to overreact to a true freshman you know stepping out there in a spring game for the first time no matter what what the hell his name is like uh, i'm not going to overreact to it i think he'll be fine but yeah it definitely left uh i'm sure if you're a texas fan you're kind of like uh well they're, they're at least making a bunch of excuses for him I remember how to do it. I've decided not to tell a joke. It was I was going to tie his name to Alex Murdoch and how he everyone had been safe. <laughs> the arms too weak, but <laughs> fill in the rest of the joke as you can. Uh, Alan, I know you said you don't like overreacting to stuff, but surely there's some like OU heart inside your heart that says it's awesome to see Texas. Because the thing is, watching that spring game and watching the extended highlight clip I saw it was like 15 minutes or so. They look pretty good, <laughs> except for. What except for the uh, Manning bit? It looks like a pretty good football team at this point in time. They they seem professional. They seem that you know they've got players, especially the wide receivers. They look the part already on the skill positions. Uh, having guys out there, Eros look very nice. He's always been able to uh, uh, layer some balls in there. He knows what's going on. They're tied in, dropping a bunch of passes was kind of weird. But other than that, it looks like a pretty good football team. They've got lined up down there in Austin. Uh, what did you see from it? against a spring game you can only do so much but what did you see from uh what was down there in austin yeah you know i mean the thing with arch manning was and, and you know i mean i think if you even talk to people who are in the talent evaluation industry they'll probably say as much that he was there was more interest in him as a recruit than any recruit they've ever had right I mean, you know, I, I think Bud Elliott said as much one time talking about he's like, we've never you've never had a player who rates or who, you know, uh, you know, our metrics tell us there's as much interest in at this level as Arch Manning. Now, that I think turned into, you know, I guess turning him into something as a prospect that he just wasn't. Um, he wasn't this, you know, all time type of high school, you know, prep quarterback. 
um you know i i i i'm the uh the arch anon stuff and all that 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 was kind of silly i mean you know i i think he's clearly got a lot of tools got a great pedigree all that stuff he could end up being you know the equivalent of a, a five-star type prospect that you know or you know playing at that level but he wasn't the the he wasn't i i just didn't see a path for him getting on the field in like uh you know, competitive role for Texas. And I mean, he's running, he's clearly running third. I mean, one of the big takeaways for me from the spring game that I watched was Malik Murphy. Uh, I mean, he's, he looks, I mean, they've done a lot of good work there with him. Sark has, you know, developing him and kind of harnessing all his talent. Um, you know, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of programs hitting him up, you know, wondering if he might be interested in uh, making a move somewhere in the transfer portal. Um, but that that was that was the big story to me. I mean, it's kind of I mean, as on the whole, when I look at Texas, like it, it's kind of the same thing. They're like a little bit uh, better than you know some of these teams that have been really really hyped coming in that have fallen flat. That's kind of what they look like to me. Um, it's still you know I mean they, they've clearly got a lot of dudes at different places and stuff, but you know. It, it's kind of that one of those deals where we've, we've seen big spring games and, you know, from them before and, you know, it, it hasn't necessarily translated during the season. So we'll, uh, you know, I mean, to be determined there. What we need to do for like the arch mannings of the world and all this stuff, we need to uh, I, just stick with me here. We need to get an AI. We need to get an AI, <laughs> develop our own. That's like a, an expert level NFL scout. And we don't say the name of the recruit film that we put in. And then they rank them, you know, based on <laughs> yeah. off that. And so it, it takes the name out of it. It takes any influence out of it. I'm just saying, hit me up for this idea. I, I just, I have a feeling about AI. I've been watching a lot of videos. They scare, <laughs> they, they scare the shit out of me, but yeah. I still watch them. Uh, I just think we need to do that. We need to do an AI that's unbiased. It doesn't know the names. It just ranks them. It's like, all right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this is unfair to, to him. It is. Because, you know, I mean, because he, you know, hating on, hating on an 18-year-old kid or whatever like that, I, that always makes me uncomfortable because uh, he really didn't necessarily ask for any of this, you know. But, uh, I mean, he also kind of, you know, decided to hop into a pretty big fishbowl there. So I guess it kind of cuts both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, once yeah, he became just a megastar. I mean, there's like stories of him losing his student ID and like everyone's putting you know, all this type of stuff. It's like, man, it remind me again. It's a different Broncos fan. Uh, the T the Tebow mania of everything of and even though he, you know, won a Heisman, was a great college football player, you know, all that type of stuff. You didn't have ESPN being like he should be the number one overall rated quarterback. Period. Coming into the draft, you know, it just wasn't that part didn't happen. I mean, it was Ooh, a there huge... were some there were some people on ESPN mm. that felt that way. Man. That's why yeah. I guess so. I guess so. But it was a huge surprise. It was a certain level of surprise that the, the Broncos drafted him where they drafted him, and then it ended up causing that whole coaching staff to lose their jobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it kind of just reminds me of that sort of thing. It reminds me of it's it feels manufactured. It feels beyond his control obviously I, I doubt he wants to control this way in the manning family has already said we want him to sit a year basically like we don't yeah. want we didn't want him to go to a place where you know if he would have gone to tennessee before they got their draft of uh, their uh, five-star quarterback he would have had to you know play <laughs> 
you yeah. know, it's, or stuff. And he's not obviously. I don't think physically he's ready for that. Uh, but you know, mentally, you know, the understanding of the game and stuff. He's got a lot of family members he can call and get some, get get some pretty good input. Uh, so I, I couldn't get a lot of hate hatred in my heart for the Texas spring game, other than this. Uh, it, it's good to laugh uh, at some of the little lollipops that were thrown around <laughs> every time he was in. But they look like a pretty good football team. Uh, and speaking of how good they should be, ESPN FI, uh, FBI has them ranked at number five, I believe. Uh, Texas coming into the season, yes, have number five. OU checking in at number 11 uh, in the top 25. Not a lot of um, – actually, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to lie. There's a decent amount of uh, Big 12 in this top 25. Uh, Alan, you dropped us in here, talked about the uh, content gods. Uh, mm-hmm. Is FPI even something that you pay close amount of attention to? Is it just kind of the stepchild of the advanced uh, statistics? Uh, how much weight do you give into the power, uh, football power index? Yeah, you know, people kind of like to pick and choose uh, which of the analytics systems they like based on, I think, on what they're saying at that moment. Um, you know, I, I it was uh, Blink and Riley, though, of, uh, you know, OU Twitter fame who uh, put out today, you know, and I mean, he was he basically he had a tweet out there showing FBI compares pretty well when it comes to picking both against the spread or, um, you know, uh, I guess straight up with just about any other of the analytical systems out there. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think that there's, there's certainly something to it, you know, and here we're looking at it and, you know, I mean, says, you know, OU's what 11th, uh, 16.9. I mean, that doesn't feel all that far off to me. Um, you know, my guess is that OU's probably a little bit better than that, but, um, you know, I mean, it's seems like it's pretty much right on. Matt, if OU finished as a, I guess 11th be tough. Let's say a top 10 team. This FBI basically says OU is the top 10 team type of potential. Is that what you're thinking of OU in the springtime rolling into the season? Or have you just vacated the idea of rankings, if anything, just yeah. jettisoned it from your mind? Yeah, uh, six and seven will definitely jettison any of that uh, from <laughs> your mind, for sure. Um, you know, I'm all about baby steps this season. I'm all about baby steps this season. Um because yeah, I, I mean, we had to talk about every single game last year and it was, it was not pretty um, mm. majority of the time, man. So uh, I'm I'm not, I'm not focused on this. It's, it's cool. I mean, it's cool. Like OU is always going to be up there as far as just like talent wise, like just like Texas is always going to be up there talent wise. Um, so, I mean, all, all this is, is, is cool and all, but you still got to get it done on the field. Cause I, I'm sure if we go back and look at, uh, last year's preseason FPI OU is pretty pretty high up there too. And OU still, I mean, stayed pretty high on SP Plus even as the season went right. on and started losing more and more games. I mean, they were listed as a top twenty team, top fifteen team, just on the edges, kind of missing it. So I do want to talk real fast about the number five team, number eleven team, and the number eighteen team. Uh, Brett Barrett Sally of a CBS sports has his listing of the top seven coaches who are under most pressure for 2023 of uh, those teams. I listed were A&M Texas and uh, Oklahoma. I think those are the three on here. I mean, I think Neil Brown's gone regardless at this point in time. Uh, is there any, any validity in, in something writing something along that nature of saying Brent Venables, Sark and Jimbo are actually on the hot seat. And if you had to pick one of the three, I think we all will probably agree. Which one do you think actually has some heat behind him? And I'll start with Alan. 
Oh, I mean, I don't know. I look at it like if I'm Jimbo, I got no heat behind me because you, you know, fine. You want me out of here, throw me, you know, $75 million or whatever it is that you owe me. And, you know, we'll, we'll call it a day. So I don't feel like there's any heat there. Uh, You know, Sark, I, I mean, I don't see, I think Texas has gone through enough of these start and stop and fire and, and hire scenarios lately that, especially after just bringing in uh, a recruit like Archman, I feel like they're going to stick with Sark. So, I mean, the one that needs to show improvement this year to me is Brent Venables. Um, I think he's going to do it, but I mean, that's the one where uh, if, if he has another season like last year, if there aren't any signs of taking steps forward, um, you know, he's going to have, he's going to be facing, uh, you know, a lot of heat heading into year three. Matt, I mean, what do you think about that? You've got Sark down in Austin who have, again, getting a lot of pub, a lot of built up. A&M has just had a down season. I mean, obviously, uh, Jimbo having to give up stuff and uh, give up play calling, you know, bringing in who they brought in for all that type of to bring up, you know, to to lift that burden uh, responsibility uh, from Jimbo. And then you've got Norman, Oklahoma, Brent bringing in a very highly rated class, even while down season, obviously. I mean, OU, you can always hand wave it a little bit of of the obviously the Lincoln Riley departure, the transfers in and out, all the guys transferring, none of you know, only two of them getting on top, you know, uh, uh, power five schools at that point in time. So you can easily point to say the talent level of this team was not what we thought it was. I mean, we went up to the pantry, pulled it out, and the food had expired. Right. That, that, that's how I'm going to uh, paint it. Uh, but Matt, of those three, Sark, Brent, Jimbo, who has actual heat on them uh, th- this year? Ooh, um. I mean, I'm kind of with Alan. There's just no way Jimbo Fisher has any. Like, I mean, they just. I mean, if he does, so much, but exactly, he's in the perfect spot. Like, which is why I'm surprised that he even hired an offensive coordinator. (laughs) Like they, they stronger. Like you have to, you have to change something up. Have he should, he should have been like, no, I don't have to fire me. Yeah, fire me, man. Yeah, fire me. Pay me my money. I'll keep calling plays, man. Screw it. Um. No, I I do I do feel like it is Brent also. Yeah, Sark. I mean, you know they they played a little bit better last year. They and they're getting you know more talent. It looks like you said Peyton that they're more they they look more like professional. Like like they're taking it a little bit more seriously down there uh, than we've seen the past in the past. Um, and then yeah, uh, call me crazy. Like I mean, Alan, you did mention Arch Manning in like part of it's probably they don't want to rock the boat on the, the you know, yeah. on the getting Arch Manning and the Manning family and all that stuff. And right. if you, if you fire Sark, then maybe the Mannings don't want to stick around for all this like coaching change and turmoil and all that stuff. Like, you know, so, you know, I, I think, I think it probably is um, Brent because yeah, if, if there's not some serious improvements at yeah, OU is not going to, they're not going to wait around forever. Yeah. I mean, like, look, none of these three guys, in my opinion, I mean, Jimbo might get fired, but I mean, like it would involve a, a huge, huge buyout at, at the end of the season. So maybe I just don't, to me, that's not, not hot seat worthy. Uh, I don't see, I, you know, I think that, I just think that the way I w- I guess I would put it is that Brent used up a lot of his goodwill last year, you know, and now even if there are reasons why, you know, 
we can say, okay, well, things weren't what they, what we thought they were in terms of what he inherited. Um, you know, he, that still doesn't kind of absolve him of, you know, I think in the eyes of a lot of fans and, you know, whatever the, you know, the need to, the need to get better, to take steps forward this year. So it's my turn to answer this question. And then we all three agree, but you've convinced me because I, I thought we'd all agree on a different name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jimbo. Yeah. I mean, he, he has, he has, he's got a golden ticket. There's nothing they can do <laughs> if besides remove him. Uh, and then he's cool. I mean, there's no, I mean, he, what he's got two ranches, yeah. <laughs> maybe three ranches. You can do whatever he wants at that point in time. Uh, I think Sark, I think Matt, you're right. I hadn't thought about the not rocking the boat type of thing there. I mean, they gave Texas has given people time at random. I mean, uh, maybe one two one year too long for Strong. They hung out on Herman for for a while to allow him to have his chance. You know, they gave him a full chance at it. Uh, and, and I think maybe that's the potential of some of the reasons why Texas has been where they are. They, they've allowed mediocre coaches to sit in that spot for a little bit instead of saying, "Hey, you're not you're not cutting it. We have to go go on and find somebody else." Uh, but Sark. I mean, Austin, it's Austin, Texas, the, the biggest microphone, biggest spotlight on them. The narrative matters. You know, the national media narrative does matter. So moving on to somebody that quickly uh, would be would be tough. Uh, I, I think now seeing it from that perspective, I'll have to say, I think Brent is probably if there ever if there is a hot seat, I mean, if you had to put a gun to my head and say which one I'd probably at this point in time say Brent, because OU is not a, a program that has suffered fools. Uh, you know, it it just doesn't do it. Um, and, and the only thing that could pr- protect Brent if he is to, you know, if it's another six and six season would be, OU having some fear about the fallout, the continued fallout of the jilted nature of how Lincoln Riley left and say, okay, we have, we have to say we're invested in this. Look at the fundraising, look at the recruiting, all that type of thing. I could, I could see OU holding on for that. And plus, also, it's, it's a that transition year into the SEC. Now, Brent is actually bad. If if OU goes six and six again this year, he, in my opinion, you got to go because you you got to make a move because you are entering the SEC. <laughs> you don't want to have a bad coach in the SEC, you know, and, and it get worse. You need to say, hey, lock and loaded, we got the guy who's going to take us there. And if Brent continues to recruit the level he is then the next coach is going to be okay <laughs> to a certain degree, if, if that makes sense. So I guess, I guess we all three agreed on, on, on a guy, not the yeah, guy and we're just we would agree on. Well, and we're yeah. just saying like out of those three, it's not out like, of those yeah. three. It's well, not like, like, it's not like Neil Brown, who is on the list. Like Neil Brown is sitting yeah. on, no, he's only five. Leather, he is sitting on leather <laughs> car seats in 110 degree yeah. heat day. Like that, he is, his yeah. ass is charred right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like with Jimbo, I think I guess if you want to look at it as a matter of like, does he have any, you know, pride or or self esteem? You know, I mean, like, you know, it would it would it wound him to get fired from this job? I mean, then then yeah, he would be my number one pick. But I don't know that he's got them over such a barrel. I just I don't know. It doesn't. I I question the amount of you know self motivation that uh that he has for that job at this point well i think i've t- I've, t- I've taken us through a long winding road to the end of the show uh 
you've heard us talk. You've heard us talk. So if, make sure you sound bite it. We're all saying Brent Venables will be fired by the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, joking. Please don't take that out of context. Uh, uh, everything seems to be here. We have game week. If you're going to the spring game, have fun, guys. Be safe. Cheer on Kyler Murray. Let's get as many people in there as possible. I mean, surely we can do better than what Colorado just did, uh, uh, selling out their their uh, their their stadium. Uh, no, they didn't sell to stadium, but they it's like forty thousand something people there. So, congratulations on that. Dion, the Dion Show prime time is uh, really selling out everything. Uh, but Alan, Matt, have we missed anything? Have I missed anything that we wanted to talk about? How many more guys are going to leave between in the next couple of weeks? You think? I mean, we found out this week Corey Roberson's out, Jaden Davis is out, Jaden Davis is out. Um, who? I mean, like I, I kind, I mean, I think just to make scholarships work, or you probably needs to is it probably looking to lose at least three, and then that's you know, if yeah, they don't I think have anybody else in mind they want to get in the portal. I think you're going to be looking at OU. If I, like you said, just numbers, OU is probably going to have like five-ish exodus because I don't think they're done taking one or two guys in from the portal into this season at this point in time. Uh, but that is something we didn't talk about, Jaden Davis transferring out. If you want to look at the spring game, figure out who's uh, who's uh, lined up next to Woody on the other side of the field. <laughs> that yeah, will be interesting right. to see, that yeah. QB number two. Uh, that's another spot there. Uh, but that is something to keep an eye on, um, uh, the transfers in and out. Um, but Alan, thank you for bringing it up. And for myself, for Vanessa House, uh, for the Patreon, patreon.com slash through keyhole for only $4, guys, $4. Uh, have fun. Matt, get us out of here. Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.